0: Christmas season is off to a good start how many of y'all got neighbors maybe you're one of them that have already got their Christmas lights up and I mean they are just you know blasting they look great they are awesome anybody got neighbors like that we do yeah okay you know it's 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 funny this time of year I wonder you know why why do we celebrate Christmas like, if you just ask people, you know, out and about, you know, work or in the neighborhood or shopping, whatever, why do you celebrate Christmas? You'll get all sorts of of, of answers. You know, if you ask people, especially outside of, like, our our church family, you know, just you know, normal people, not not weirdos like us. Uh, you know, the, and some people say, "Hey, Christmas is about family." You know, maybe maybe you didn't get a chance to get together with family at Thanksgiving, but definitely at Christmas, you know, everybody's going to come home and we're going to get spend time together, and that's what they look forward to at Christmas. Others may say, "Well, it's just the nostalgia." You know, uh, seeing all the all the decorations up, or you know, if you go shopping in stores in person, does anybody still do that? By the way, anybody still go to a store? Okay, but you know, you see all the decorations, you know, out, and you hear the the music and everything. It's just in this, it's just that time of year. You know, we celebrate Christmas because of just the nostalgia. Others, you know, let's be honest, it's about the gifts. You know, especially kids, it's definitely about the gifts, you know. Two times a year, birthday and Christmas, and you hope you didn't get born in December. But two times a year, birthday and Christmas, you're guaranteed you can ask for something and have a pretty good shot at mom and dad, uh, you know, pulling that off for you or whatever. And and some people say it's just because. You mean, what do you mean, why do we celebrate Christmas? It's Christmas. Of course we're going to celebrate Christmas, but for, you know, I mean, even people who don't believe in Jesus, who don't believe in Christ, celebrate Christmas. I've got neighbors who don't go to church. I know they don't go to church because I see them on Sunday mornings. They're out doing stuff in their yard or they're working on their cars or trucks or whatever, but they got their Christmas decorations out, you know? And I'm not just talking about like, you know, Snowman and Snoopy and Santa Claus. I mean, they got like joy and peace and the things that we would connect with. And there's there's people who, you know, uh, who have their Christmas decorations up. They're celebrating Christmas even if they don't believer practice a belief in Christ because it's just what you do this time of year. But for us, those of us who are Christ followers, those of us who are Christians, those of us who are believers, Christmas holds a very different meaning, doesn't it? We celebrate Christmas because of Jesus. We celebrate Christmas because of, of, of Christ. You know, without Christ, it, it would just be mus. You know, happy must. Mary must, right? No, we celebrate Christmas because of Christ, because it's the birth of our Savior, because of who Jesus is, because He is God. Amen? Amen. All right, I don't know what I'm going to talk about for the next 24 minutes. You guys already got it. So. Uh, but we celebrate because of who He is, because He's God. We celebrate Christmas because of what Jesus has done, that He came and brought life into this world to give us new life. He we celebrate Christmas because of what he offers. He offers us the chance to become children of God. And we celebrate Christmas because it is God with us. It's the season where we remember what Jesus did coming to earth and being born of a virgin and being Emmanuel, God with us. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Why we take, And we're going to take a deeper look into why we celebrate God with us and uh, and listen, for some of y'all, you already get it. You're there already. You're like, Preacher, I knew that. You know, I'm excited about Christmas. I'm excited about this season. I'm excited about the birth of our Savior. Well, for you, then maybe this will be a time that helps firm up your faith. It helps really solidify some stuff, you know, reinforces what you already know and believe. For others, this will be a chance to maybe clear up some questions and, and maybe uh, help you get a better understanding of Christ at Christmas. For all of us, though. I hope this series helps us get some tools that we can use with people that we have conversations with this time of year. There is no easier time of year to talk about Jesus than at Christmas. There is no more natural time of year to point people to Jesus than at Christmas. So let's do that this year. As we celebrate God with us. All right, open your Bibles with me. We're going to be in John chapter 1. This is not a normal Christmas passage, but last year on Christmas morning, Christmas day morning, uh, for some reason I was in John chapter 1 and I read it and I was like, man, this is a Christmas passage right here because this talks about Jesus. He doesn't talk about it the way Matthew and Mark uh, or Matthew and Luke do, but it's still a very appropriate passage for this time of year. John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the word. And he's talking about John the Baptist here, okay? don't want you to get too confused there. And his name was John, talking about John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He, talking about Jesus, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. and truth. All right, over the next few weeks, we're going to tackle those 14 verses and look at what they say about who Jesus is, what he did, what he offers, and why we celebrate God with us. Today, we're just going to look at the first three verses, verses one through three, and we're going to see from these verses that John really unpacks for us a couple of truths about Christ's divinity and his authority. Say that with me, divinity and authority. And because of that, you and I have a responsibility, all right? So let's look at the first thing. We have a responsibility to worship Jesus for He is. Let's look at the first thing. Number one, first point is this. If you're following along in your outline, if you've got it pulled up on your uh, Bible app, Jesus is God and has always been God, okay? Jesus is God and has always been God. Right off the bat, the beginning of John's gospel, He establishes Christ's divinity. You know, that's one of the things that makes John's gospel different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke is that is just how much emphasis he places on the deity of Christ, on Christ's divinity, uh, clearly laying out that Jesus is God. You know, Matthew and Luke, they give us the, the birth story, the, the narrative. They they go back to to Jesus' uh, ancestry, his genealogy, tracing the family tree all the way back to, to David. Uh, you know, John, on the other hand, goes further. He goes all the way back to eternity. And he says that Jesus has always been. He has been around uh, from the beginning, in the beginning, rather. Uh, The other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they look at what Jesus did. John talks about who Jesus is. Matthew, Mark, and Luke give us a lot of stuff about uh, how Jesus related to people, but John really emphasizes how Jesus revealed himself and revealed God to people. And as one commentator said, only God can reveal God. And so that's the difference between John's gospel and the other gospels. And so we get to verse one and we see that John communicates a powerful truth that Jesus is God and he's always been God. Listen again uh, to verse one and two. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now we know John's gospel is all about Jesus, right? That's what a gospel is. It's a story of the good news uh, about Christ. But you probably noticed that here in the, in the first verse, the, the verses we've read, that he doesn't say Jesus, does he? You know? He could have just as easily said, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was God, and Jesus was with God, and he was with God, in the, and Jesus was with God in the beginning. But instead, he doesn't say that. He uses a different word. What is it? Word, with a capital W, okay? And so he does this for a uh, A couple of reasons, and really the big reason is because it's a great connecting word. That word, word, is a great connecting word between the two groups that John was talking to, the Jews and the Greeks. For the Jews, they would have heard, uh, you know, word and, and thought back to the Old Testament and thought back to the word of the Lord. You know, it would say things like, you know, the word of the Lord came to so-and-so. And it would have, it would have reminded them uh, there was great power when you said the word of the Lord. There was great significance because in, in the Old Testament, they basically equated that with God, with God's presence. God's spoken word was about the same as God himself showing up. You tracking with me? So that's how he related to the Jews. But then to the Greeks, when they heard the word word, they thought of their word for it, which is logos, which is very similar to the word we get, which is logic. And so they would have thought of uh, logic and reason and wisdom and philosophy, which to the Greeks, that's what they valued the most. That's what they uh, thought of as paramount. And so what, he, what John's doing here is he's saying to one group, you know, you, you hold on to this. And he's saying to another group, you hold on to that. What you both need to hold on to, though, is Jesus. Because Jesus is the Word. Jesus is who you've been looking for. Jesus is who you've been, you, you should be trusting in. He is the Word. He is God. And so that's one thing John's doing right off the bat is establishing that. Another thing he's doing here is he's refuting a false teaching of that time that Jesus wasn't really God. He's refuting a false teaching that had arisen that that Jesus was just a normal dude. You know, yeah, maybe he worked some miracles. Yeah, maybe he uh, actually did get raised back to life. But he was just a normal guy. Now, John's gospel is written anywhere from about 20 to maybe as late as 50 years after uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And so we're talking, you know, AD 50 to maybe AD 80, 85, somewhere in that ballpark. And and so there was a false teaching going on around that time that Jesus wasn't really God. That he was just a normal person like everyone else. And, uh, and some even said that, well, maybe he, maybe he was a normal person, but then he became a God after he got raised back to life. And so John starts his gospel off very clearly saying, in the beginning was the Word, was Jesus. Jesus was God, and Jesus was with God, and he's with God in the beginning. John is clearly establishing Christ's divinity. Why does this matter to you and I? Why is this more than just sort of an unpack the Bible and understand it thing? Well, it's because of this that the same thing that was going on in John's day is happening today. The same thing that's going on in John's day has happened all throughout history for the past couple of thousand years. There are people who believe in Jesus as a person, but not as God, not as the one true God. There are religions that accept Jesus as a good teacher, and some go so far as even to say that he was a God, little g God but not the one true God. You probably even have friends or family who, like we've talked about, they celebrate Christmas, but they don't celebrate Christ at Christmas. They don't celebrate Christ's birth, the gift of God. Jesus come uh, to earth as a baby, born of a virgin by the Holy Spirit. In other words, there are plenty of people who accept Jesus as a reality, but deny his divinity. And we at Christmas get to have Jesus' conversations with people, we at Christmas get to, get to be reminded that Jesus is God and he's always been God. He's the one true God, co-equal, co-existent with the Father, Son, and Spirit from all eternity. And not only do we get to remind people and, and be reaffirmed that Jesus is God, we also get to help people see that Jesus is who he's, is who they're looking for. Just like the Jews and the Greeks were looking for something to trust in, Jesus is who they're looking for. All the hope and the joy and the peace and the love and the forgiveness and everything that they've been looking for in life can be found in Jesus and actually will only be found in relationship with God through faith in Jesus. And so we worship Jesus, number one, because of his divinity, because he is God. We also worship him because of the second reason, his authority. Point number two is this. Because Jesus made us, he has authority over us. Because Jesus made us, he's got authority over us. Listen again to John 1 verse 3. It says, all things, what things? All things were made through him, talking about Jesus, and without him, was not anything made that was made. This is a literary device you'll see in Scripture a lot of times. There's a positive and a negative. It states something in the positive, all things were made through him, and then it states the, uh, the opposite in the negative to reinforce it, and there's nothing that was made that, you know, there's nothing made that, that he didn't make. And so it's, it's kind of saying it's covering both things, you know. Can I go, can I go outside and play? No, you cannot go outside and play. You have to stay inside, okay? That's, that's a positive. They're probably both negative to a kid. But anyways, so what, God, what John's doing here in the first two verses is he establishes Christ's divinity. And then here in the third verse, he establishes his authority as creator over all things, including you and me. Now, how many of y'all are a little bit confused right now? You're saying, like, wait a minute, I thought God was creator. Be honest. Nobody? How many of y'all are lying? All right, one honest person, good deal, yeah. Well, Jesus is God, right? Okay, cool, so we'll get to, we'll just unpack this in a little bit, but you know, what we see in this teaching is that Jesus is creator, that creation came into existence by God the Father working through Jesus his son to create everything, and we see this not just here in John's gospel, we see it in plenty of places throughout the Bible, Romans eleven thirty six. 36, it says this, uh, for everything comes from him, talking about Jesus, and exists by his power and is intended for his glory, all glory to him forever. Where, where does everything come from? From who? From God, but from him, the him here in Romans is talking about who? Jesus, who is also, yeah, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Right? Hey, I didn't have this in the notes, so don't freak out on me in the back back there. But here's something that we tend to do. See, maybe I do it, maybe none of y'all do it, but I do it, and I have to get my head right about talking about the Trinity, okay? You've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, right? What we tend to do is we say God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, like a little triangle, and we put God at the top up here, God the Father at the top, right? What we need to do is kind of turn it flat like that so that we think of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit. You with me? Does that help anybody here at all? All right, cool. All right, moving on. All right, so that's verse 11, that's verse 36 of Romans 11, going on to Colossians 1, 15 to 17. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. See, right there, it, it throws you for a loop. You got Christ and God. Wait a minute, I thought Christ was God. Don't let that stuff mess with you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, Right? All right, cool. So Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created. So right there, we know that Jesus wasn't created. He's always been around. Okay. And is supreme over all creation. Okay. He's your authority. He's supreme over you. You are a creation. He is not created. He is the creator. So he's supreme over you in the heavenly realms uh, excuse me, supreme over all creation, for through Him, through Christ, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities, the unseen world, everything was created through Him, Jesus, and for Him, Jesus. He existed before anything else, and He holds all creation together. Hebrews 1 Verse 2 says, and now in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son created the universe. 1 Corinthians uh, 8, 6 says, but for us there is one God. How many gods? Father, Son, and Spirit. One God, the Father, by whom all things were created and for whom we live And there is one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things were created and through whom we live. And so what do these passages tell us? They tell us that there is is one God. There is Jesus who is is creator, that God the Father created everything through the Son with, as Genesis 1 tells us, the Holy Spirit hovering over. How many of y'all still tracking with me? All right. Good deal. Good deal. How many of y'all already knew that? And you're like, preacher, man, I was, I was there already, but this is, here's the deal. Here's the principle. If you make something, if you create something, if you write a piece of music, if you build something, then, then you have ownership over that, right? You get to say what happens with that thing. You get to decide what happens with that, right? That just makes sense. We found Bridget and I found this out the hard way. Uh, my daughter, uh, Morgan, and her husband, Adam, my son-in-law, Adam, are here just for a short visit. We're excited to have them. I kind of freaked her out. I said, like, hey, listen, you know, you're here. You're supposed to sing a solo in church. That's what you do when you come back. And she's like, no, 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 no. So that's old church stuff, like way back when I was even younger. All right, anyway, so Morgan is our firstborn. And when she was born, the day after she was born, we were leaving the hospital, and Bridget and I were walking out without her. She wasn't sick, she wasn't in the NICU, she was fine and healthy, but the, the nurse stopped and said, whoa, 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 where are you going? I was like, oh, yeah, she, she cries, and she pees, and she poops, and she eats, and she does it all over again, uh, you know, no thank you, you know, <laughs> we'll come back and visit, you know, but y'all can do a much better job with her than we can, and, and you know what that nurse said, she goes, no way, Jack. You made this little girl. You're stuck with her. You know, you got to take her with. Now, you, of course, you know, that's not what happened. You know, we, we loved uh, being, we have loved being Morgan's parents and we loved getting to raise her and, to, and, to, and just to see her grow up uh, and, and Drew and Maddie as well. That, that, I'm being facetious there. But here's the point. Here's why I said this is because Jesus is creator. Jesus made you and Jesus loves you. And he didn't make you and said, all right, Good luck. I'm going to come back and check on you every now and then. Hope you hang in there. Hope, hope somebody watches over you. You know, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. We worship Jesus because he is our creator, because he has the authority to, to say, look, I am Lord and I deserve to be Lord in your life. And not just because I'm some you know, boss who owns you. I'm the God who loves you. So we worship Jesus. We celebrate the birth of our Savior. We celebrate Him because of His divinity, and we celebrate Him because of His authority over us. Because of His divinity and because of His authority, then you and I have a responsibility. And the third point is very simply this. Worship and celebration are our only reasonable responses to Jesus being God with us. Worship and celebration are our only reasonable responses to Jesus being God with us. Once you realize the truth about something, you, you, you have to come to grips with it. Once you've come to grips with it, there must be a logical and reasonable response that is directed by that truth. Matthew Henry shares the story of uh, Francis Junius, a historian from the 1600s, and how he came to know the Lord. Junius said that as a youth, he, was, he had a loose notion of religion. How many of y'all have had, a, at your time, a loose notion of religion? You know, oh, I, I come to church. I, I come because my parents make me, or I come because my wife makes me, or my husband, or, or whatever. But he had a loose notion of religion. That was Francis Junius as a youth. But by the grace of God, he said he was wonderfully recovered, wonderfully saved by the reading accidentally of the verses of John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. His father had opened the Bible to this passage, John chapter 1, and purposely set it in a place where he hoped Francis would come across it and read it. Francis says that, He observed in these scriptures such a divinity in the argument and such authority and majesty that his body literally trembled and he was struck with such amazement that for the whole day he scarcely knew who he was or what he did. Can you just imagine, can you just put yourself in that moment, the realization that Jesus is God and that he is God with us And that's shaking you to your very core. That's what happened to him. And he said, from that point on, that was the beginning of him following Jesus. Let me just ask you when you come face to face with Christ's divinity and come face to face with the reality of his authority, that he is Lord, the God who loves you, what's your response? You don't have to fall out and be visibly shaken, and I'm not talking about, you know, some physical, but in your heart, what's your response? Are you in awe? Are you amazed? Are you speechless? Or are you like a lot of people, even Christians this time of year where I got shopping and I got cookies to bake, and I got gifts, and I got parties that I don't want to go to, but I got to, and I got I, all these other things, and oh yeah, I got Jesus in the middle of all that. Can we pause this morning and just set aside all the distractions, all the thoughts about what's coming up, even all the thoughts, no offense, of the, of the, of the tea that's coming up afterwards and all the work that has to go in to get ready for that here, and can we just for a few moments pause and say, Jesus, it's all about you. And I want to worship God with us. If you're a Christ follower, that shouldn't be too hard to do. You should be able just to take a few moments and say, okay, God, I'm sorry that I haven't made it all about you, but I'm ready to do that right now. If you're not a Jesus follower, you can be today. You can place your faith in the God who loves you by simply calling out to him and doing what John chapter 1, verse 12, we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, says that all who believed in him he gave the right to become a child of God. You can become a child of God today. Will you bow your heads in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, as we enter into this time of, of responding to how your, your Holy Spirit has spoken to us, God, I pray, I pray for hearts all across this room, myself included, every single person in this room, every single person who might be joining us online, that right now, God, we would come face-to-face and either very, for the very first time or be reminded that, Jesus, you are God with us. And that we would be awestruck with that reality and we would just worship you. And we would celebrate you. And, God, I pray for those who do not know Jesus as Lord. They have a loose notion of religion. Or maybe they've got a firm hold on religion, but they don't have a relationship with you, God, through faith in Jesus. I pray today would be the day of salvation. I pray today would be the day where they would call out to you and say, I'm ready to be a child of God. I'm ready to place my faith in Jesus. I'm ready for you to be Lord of my life. Heavenly Father, just continue to speak to us all across the room as we enter into this time of response and worship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.